Chapter Fifteen of Havelock the Dane by Charles W. Whistler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Fortune of Curan the Porter. While the nurse told Witelm to fetch the priest when Alsi was in the hall that evening, the housecarl came for Havelock, and much wondering, he followed the man to the king and presently stood before him and saluted. Where did you get that salute? said Alsi sharply seeing at once that it was not english and indeed it was that of gunnar's courtman i cannot tell answered my brother it seems to be there when needed well it is not that used here get the housecarls to teach you better manners then havelok bowed a little in token that he would do so and when alsi spoke to him next it was in welsh you are a marshman as i hear now havelok had learned fairly well from the poor folk who loved him but carelessly so that when he answered alsi frowned at his way of speaking i am from the marsh he said simply we had better get back to english the king said you people forget your own tongue now are you married thereat havelok laughed lightly that i am not he answered well then if i find you a fair wife you would be willing doubtless that i should not answered havelok bluntly and wondering what this crafty-looking king was driving at what could i do with a wife for i have neither house nor goods nor where to take her nor withal to keep her else had i not been the cook's knave it would seem that you carry all your fortune on your back therefore said alsi looking at havelok's gay attire with somewhat of a sneer that may well be king alsi for even these clothes are not my own berthun gave them me and i think that they come from yourself alsi grinned for Eglaf's saying of him was not so far wrong, but he had more serious business on hand than to talk of these things with a churl. Now, if I bid you, it is your part to obey. I have a wife for you, and her you shall wed. There are two words to that, King Alsi. Neither will I wed against my will, nor will I wed one who is unwilling. As to that first, said the king, for he began to be angered with Havelok's boldness, if a man will not do my bidding i have dungeons where he can have time to think things over and men who can keep him there be he never so mighty and if a man will not see with my eyes when i bid him blinded shall he be this he said somewhat hurriedly for a dark flush came on the face of the man before him and he thought that he must try some other plan than force with him and as for that other point I did not so much as hint that the bride was likely to be unwilling. I will say that she is willing, rather. Now that troubled Havelock, for it seemed that all was arranged already, and the thought of the dungeon was not pleasant. There was no doubt that if the king chose he could cast him into one until he was forgotten, and the light and the breath of the wind from the sea were very dear to Havelock. So he thought that he would at least gain time by seeming to listen to the proposal, for after all it might come to nothing, and maybe it was but a jest, though a strange one. "'Well, Lord King,' he said, "'if the bride knows enough of me to be willing, it is but fair that I should have the like chance of choice.' Now Alsi thought that it was impossible that this churl, as he deemed him, would not be overjoyed to hear of the match he had made for him, and he must needs know it soon. Yet there was that about Havelock that puzzled him, for his ways were not those of a churl, and he spoke as a freeman should speak. 
so much the more likely that the people would believe him when he said that Goldberger wedded him of her own wish, he thought. It was as well that he was not altogether a common-seeming man. "'You have seen the damsel already,' he said, therefore. "'Now I will not say that this match is altogether of my choosing, but I have an oath to keep, and it seems that I can only keep it by making you her husband. But, as I say, she is willing, and I will add, well dowered.' Now it grew plain to my brother that there was something strange in all this, so he said, "'An oath is a thing that must not be hindered in the fulfilling, if a man can further it. But what has a king's oath to do with me?' "'I have sworn to find her the goodliest and mightiest man alive, and though I must needs say it to your face, there is none like yourself. No flattery this to bend you to my will, but sober truth, at least as I see it. At that Havelock grew impatient. "'Well, if that be so, who is the bride?' he asked, not caring to give the king his title, or forgetting to do so, for on him was coming the feeling that he was this man's equal here in the palace. And at last, not seeming to notice this, Alsi answered plainly, "'The Princess Goldberger.' Then Havelock stared at him in blank wonder for some moments, and Alsi grew red under his gaze, and his eyes were shifty, and would not meet the honest look that was on him. Then at last said Havelock slowly, and watching the king intently all the while, "'What this means I cannot tell. If you speak truth, it is wonderful, and, if not, it is unkingly.' "'On my word as a king, truth it is,' said Alsi hastily, for there was that in Havelock's face that he did not like. One might think that the king was growing afraid of his own kitchen knave, "'If that is so, there is no more to be said,' answered Havelock. "'Yet you will forgive me if I say that I must have this from the lips of the princess herself as well. It may be that her mind will change.' "'That is but fair,' answered Alsi, "'and you are a wise man. The mind of a damsel is unsteady, whether she be princess or milkmaid. But have no fear.' "'No man fear I, but I do fear to hurt any lady, and I would not do that.' Then Alsi thought that all was well, and he spoke smooth words to my brother, so that Havelock doubted him more than ever. Therefore it came into his mind that all he could do for the best was to seem to agree, and wait for what the princess herself said. And if Alsi was working some subtlety, then he would wring his neck for him if need be, and after that, well, the house carls would cut him in pieces, and he would slay some of them, and go to Valhalla, and dreams would be at an end and he would have died to some purpose here, for he knew that Goldberger would come to her kingdom, ay, and maybe Alsi's as well, for she was his sister's daughter, and his next of kin, and well loved by those who had been allowed to know aught of her. But I would not have any think that the promise of so wondrous a bride was not pleasing to him. It was more, for he had seen her grow white and troubled as she looked on him, and he had seen her bear well whatever pain had caused that and he had known that in the one sight he had of Goldberger, Summit had taught him what it was to have one face unforgotten in his mind. So he said to Alsi, "'All this fortune that you hold out to me is most unlooked for, seeing that I am in your hall, and I have not thanked you yet, King Alsi. That, however, is hard to do, as you may understand.' "'I understand well enough,' answered the king, in high good humour again, now that all seemed to be going well, 
and after all it is the lady whom you must thank but when shall i see her to do so to-morrow surely ay to-morrow early shall you speak with her answered the king quickly now go and hold your peace let me warn you that there are those about the court who would go to any lengths to remove you from the face of the earth if they knew of this tell no man of the honour that has come to you as yet be the porter for a short time longer and then you will be the man whom all envy it is likely that i must make you a thane by right of the choice of the princess i know well when to speak and when to keep silence lord king said my brother and with that he bowed and left the hall then alsi put his lips to a silver whistle that he carried and blew a call that brought eglaf hurriedly to him from the outer door the guards may go said the king but see that the porter Curran leaves not the palace until I myself send him forth to-morrow. The captain saluted and went his way. He had had six men within call of the king all the time that he spoke with Havelok, and one may make what one likes of that. At least the threat of the dungeon was no idle one. Now went Havelok from the hall very heavy and troubled, for beyond the fair talk of the king lurked surely some plan that was not fair at all it was not to be thought that he could not prevent if he chose a foolish marriage of the princess even did she desire it ever so much and my brother could not believe that she had set her heart on one whom she had seen but once and then in the midst of faintness that however might be known easily when he was face to face with her it was a thing that could not be made a matter of pretence now when he came back to the great kitchen which was nigh as big as the hall Whithelm was yet there for the priest was at the widow's, and there was no haste to bring him, and by that time I had come in also, and was sitting with him at the far end, where none had need to come. It was Berthun's own end, as one might say, and he was lord in his own place. Only a few thralls were about, and the cook himself had gone into the town. "'Here is our brother,' I said, "'and there is somewhat wrong.' He came moodily up to us, and sat him down, saying nothing, and he leaned his head on his hands for a while. "'What is amiss, brother?' said Whithelm. "'Wait,' he answered. "'I will think before I speak.' I could see that this was not the old puzzlement, but something new and heavy, so we held our peace. Long was he before he moved or spoke, and when he did so it was wearily. "'Well knew I that summit was to happen to me in this town, even as I told you, brother, when we first passed its gates, and now it seems to be coming to pass, for this is what is on me as it seems to me.' either that i must see the light of day no more or must live to be a scorn and sorrow to one for whom it were meet that a man should die surely the black dream is on you my brother neither of these things can be for you i cried would that it were the dream for that is not all of sorrow and that also is of things so long past that they are forgotten i can bear that for your voice always drives it away but now the hand of Alsi the king is on me for some ill of his own. Stay, said Withelm, let us go out and speak. If that name is to be heard, it were safer. Less safe, brother, answered Havelok. At once we should be kept apart. Listen, and I will tell you all, and then say your say. Then he told us word for word all that had just passed between him and the king and as we listened it grew on us that here was no wrong to the princess but rather the beginning of honour i could see the downfall that was in store for alsi and i thought also that i saw hope for the winning back of the danish kingdom 
with an East Anglian host to back us. And this also saw Withelm, and his eyes sparkled, but Havelock knew not yet all that had grown so plain to us. He ended, and we said nothing for a moment. "'Well,' he said, not looking up, but with eyes that sought the floor, as if ashamed. "'By Odin,' said I, speaking the thought that was uppermost, "'here will be a downfall for Alsi. "'Aye, you are right, brother. I will not wed her.' But that was by no means what I meant, as may be known. And now Withelm held up a warning hand to me, and I knew that his advice was always best. "'If the maiden is unwilling, wed her not,' he said. "'If she is willing, even as the king said, that is another matter. We have no reason to doubt his word as yet.' "'You saw not his face as he spoke. And then, how should the princess think of me?' "'Who knows?' Even Odin owned that the minds of maids were hard to fathom, but one may find a reason or two. Maybe that oath has summer to do with it. A good daughter will go far to carry out her father's will, and in the plain sense thereof she will certainly do it thus. Then it is likely that she knows that you are no churl, but the son of Grimm, though we have fallen on hard times for a while. I have heard say that it is the custom here that a man who has crossed the seas in his own ship so many times is a thane by right of that hardihood. Thane's son, therefore, might we call you. Then there is the jealousy of every other thane, if she chooses an East Anglian. Then she needs one who shall be mighty to lead her forces. Even the greatest thane will be content to follow a man who is a warrior of warriors. Ragnar can have told her what you are in that way. Faith, brother, there are reasons enough. Havelock laughed a short laugh at all this, and he grew brighter. There was sense in Withelm's words, if they would not bear looking deeply into. Then I said, adding to these words, Moreover, Alsi could stop the whole foolishness of his niece if he did not think it a fitting match in some way. So he could, answered a Havelock. But yet I tell you that there was naught but evil in his face. Why did he try to force me? Then he went back to the thing that weighed mostly on his noble heart, the thought that he was unworthy altogether. I fear that the princess does not think of me because she must. It is in my mind that Alsi may have threatened her also until she has consented. How shall I know this? Most easily as she speaks with you, answered Withelm. "'Tomorrow we'll tell you that. "'And then, if you find things thus, "'what shall prevent your flying?' "'Brother Radbard and the other housecarls,' said Havelock grimly. "'Not if you ask the princess to help you out of her own way "'by pretending to be most willing. "'If Alsi thinks you a gladsome couple, there is no difficulty. "'You walk out of the palace as a master there. "'Then you fly to Ragnar. That is all.' Now that was such an easy way out of the whole coil that we planned it out, and yet it seemed to me that it was a pity that Havelock knew not more of what seemed to us so sure now. So, seeing that things were fairly straightened by this last thought, I got up and said that I must be going, making a sign to Withelm to come also, and with a few more words we went out. I saw Havelock set himself to a mighty task of water-drawing as I looked back. Now said I, here is a strange affair with a vengeance. Neither head nor tail can I make of it, but if all we think is right, this is the marriage for the son of Gunnar. Son of Gunnar, or son of Grimm, said Withelm, princess or not, 
happy is the maiden who gains Havelock for her husband. Maybe her woman's wit has told her so. She will have many suitors whom she knows to be seeking her throne only, and to him she gives it as a gift unsought. That is all beyond me, I said, but he would fill a throne well. But his own modesty in the matter of his worthiness is likely to stand in the way. Why should we not tell him all that we know? Then he will feel that he is doing no wrong. Because we are not sure, and because it is not for us to choose the time. I have sent for Arngir this morning, as we said would be well last night. If the princess is unwilling, there are many things that may be said, and if not, there must be many days before the wedding, and ere the day Havelock may feel that he is her equal in birth at least, if we are not wrong. But since I have waited here, Maud has told me the dream that has troubled the princess. That I may tell the priest so that he can think it over. She has dreamed that she is to wed a man who shall be king both in Denmark and England. And she saw the man, moreover. Strangely like Havelock's dream is that. Now what else made her turn faint but that this vision was like Havelock? And does that not make it possible that she wishes to wed him? Therefore I am going to tell the priest the story of Havelock, so far as I know it. Well thought of. Tell him this also, for now I may surely tell you what you have not yet heard thereof. So I told him how Grim and I had taken Havelock from Hodulf, and then he was the more certain that we had saved the son of our king. Now we thought that we had got to the bottom of the whole matter of the wedding. Of course the dream had all to do with the fainting, but nothing to do with the supposed wish but we did not know that. "'Speak not of Gunnar by name, however,' I said. "'He was a terror to Christian folk. "'The priest is likely to hinder the marriage with all his might else.' Whitelm flushed as he had when he first spoke of the priest to me. "'I think not, brother, for he knows Havelock well and loves him.' "'So,' said I shortly, "'he hopes to make him a Christian, doubtless. "'I think that he will do so if he has a Christian wife to help.' "'That would not suit Havelock,' I said, laughing. "'Nay, but such a mind as his, it seems to suit well already, though he has not heard much.' "'Why, then,' said I, wondering, "'if it suits our best and bravest, it must be a wondrous faith. "'It seems strange, however, but I know naught of it. "'What is good for him and you, my brother, is sure to be best. "'I feared that you would be angry.' "'Nay, but with you and Havelock, how should that be? Why, if you two said that we must turn Christian, I should hold it right, so would Raven. I suppose that I go to the Vey because you do. Now I troubled no more about the matter, being nothing but a sea-dog who could use a weapon, and now I said that I was going to Eglaf to say that I might have to leave him at any time for home, in case we had to fly with Havelock. So Whithelm went his way to the old priest with a light heart, and I to the captain. "'Well,' said Eglaf, "'this is about what I expected when your brother came. "'Good it has been to have you here, "'and I think that I shall see you as a housecarl for good yet. "'When do you go?' "'The first time that I do not turn up on guard I am gone, not till then. "'Come and drink a farewell cup first. "'I shall be in a great hurry if I do not do that,' I answered, laughing. "'But it was my thought that maybe when once my back was turned on the town "'I should not have time to think of going near King Alsi's guard. "'Then I went to find Ragnar the Earl, "'for we thought it well that he should know what was on hand. 
but when I came to the house of the thane with whom he was quartered, they told me that he had gone hastily with all his men, for word had come of some rising in his land that must be seen to at once. That was bad, and as one must find a reason for everything, I thought that the going of Griffin had much to do with the outbreak. There I was wrong, as I found later. But then, too, I knew the craft of Alsi was at work in this message. He had his own reasons for wishing the Earl out of the way. End of chapter 15 Read by Tony Foster